This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. Welcome to the Honey Hole Hangout Podcast, brought to you by Cliff, Zach, and Landon. Tonight, Ian is out sick. Get well soon, buddy. Get well soon. <laughs> we miss you, Ian. Oh, man, that's the best part every week, is waiting to see what you're going to say. Yeah, what's Cliff going to say? How's he going to How's he gonna intro it? Because well, yeah, a lot it? of times, it is very off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I enjoyed that. That was nice. Had a little bit of inspiration. <laughs> Well, if you guys want to find us, we mention it every time, but I'll mention it again in case we have a new listener. Which, speaking of, we have a new listener. Oh, yeah, who? From Singapore. No yes. way. Yes. We were, we're further international. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome aboard, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and if any of y'all international guys want to be, or gals want to be on the podcast, just invite us for a hunt or a fishing trip in your select country, and we will be happy to have you on the podcast. <laughs> we'll bring the podcast equipment to you. There you go. You exactly. buy the airfare. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can find us at honeyholeangling.com, Instagram is honeyholeangling, Facebook page honeyholeangling, yada, 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 yada. 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 That's all the announcements. Yeah. I have. Um, did you guys do anything fun this week outdoors? Did I do anything fun this week outdoors? Like, did you do any outdoorsy things? Uh, I went fishing, but that was like 10 days ago, but I don't think I told you guys. Which one of y'all went uh, to Government Canyon? That was me. Dylan. Oh, thanks for the invite. Raising my hand. Thanks for the invite. That was probably mm-hmm. like, a, like a husband-wife sort of thing. It was a husband-wife sort of thing. He still could have invited me. It was, I guess technically it he was could actually have invited a, you. My wife's weird. work thing. Mm. So, But we went out there, saw the dino tracks. Yeah, what did you think? Very disappointing. Yeah, there's just like holes in the ground, right? You thought it was disappointing? I thought it was sweet. Yeah, but it's just like, I imagine like to see, like walk I, up and be like, this is clearly a dinosaur track. There were some very clear ones. I oh, walked yeah. up to it, and I think I had built it up in my mind more than what it was. So yeah. I was disappointed. Like, did you think in your mind you were going to see actual dinosaurs? No. I thought it was going to see like a broken leg. Like, I expected like truly defined all of them like 
a walking path. Yeah. Like if I go step in a mud pile, what's left over, I wanted that. Yeah. No, there were some definitely def- definite defined ones. I don't uh, maybe. But there was a lot of iffy ones. Yeah, there's a lot of just like, okay, this might be a hole. Yeah, there were some of pit. those. There yeah. were some of those. But the thing that distinguished it was like it was definitely a walking. Like some of the ones that were like less into the ground were definite walking trails. It was like, okay, there was definitely a dinosaur walking there. And then the um, there were some definitely like, because I think there's three different dinosaurs. Hard to believe they were on the earth just 6,000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there were uh, uh, three separate dinosaur types of dinosaur tracks. Uh-huh. And um, I think they say at least nine total dinosaurs. You you want to know where a cool dinosaur like exhibit is in the state? Big Ben yeah, has a like cool a one. really cool, like right when you pull in. Yes, like they have that huge thing where you can like they have the skull there and like mm-hmm. yeah, that place mm-hmm. it's got a good. And they'd actually cool. like they tear down like the history of like what was going on mm-hmm. in the state at that time mm-hmm. or Different. what would be mm-hmm. the state of Texas at that Different time. Different periods and stuff. It's really yeah. cool. I don't know. I I would say I would recommend people go to Government Canyon. It's worth going. I wouldn't it's do it again. Never been. Yeah. It's a good hike. Too. I mean, like it's only like a mile go, and a half out there. I think. No, it's five miles round trip. Because oh, two and a half miles out there. Yeah. Did you guys go to the house, the old German house? That's yes, like I did. Yeah. Was that cool? Because we went down there. And I was like, oh, we're gonna go check out the old German. And then we saw the dinosaur tracks and turned around. And we got halfway back. Crap, we forgot to go to the house. I didn't go in the house. We just walked by it. When I went, they had it blocked off. Yeah, I think they did. They were doing like construction or something. Too. Yeah, like uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know exactly what they were doing, but it was fenced off, so you can't yeah. get in. Yeah, like a chain link fence around it. Yeah. Yeah. It was built in the 1880s. But when I went, we it was me, Jack, uh, Keely, and Cynthia. We all went and hiked it, hiked to the dinosaur footprints, went up to the house, and then went another way back around. Where you go up on the cliff? Yeah, yeah, and we actually kind of got lost for a minute, <laughs> yeah. and then we were all like just done and tired with that trip because we didn't bring enough water for it. Mm. Oh yeah, and we had. Uh, they tell you how much water to bring. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very posted, but we didn't. We we didn't expect to do that long. We had enough for what we had planned, but we didn't go mm. for what we did. And Jack and I had our packs on with weight in it so like i was carrying my 20 pound weight plate in the back of my go ruck and he was carrying i want to say 20 to 30 pounds getting that ruck in in his uh mystery ranch Mm. pack Mm. because we were planning it was like the start of like we were kind of starting to plan like an elk hunt. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, oh, we're going to practice this just to kind of get the weight barriers and stuff. And yeah, it was like earlier. So it was like just the beginning of us like starting this uh, trek to like prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And because we added so much more weight and then took a route that we weren't planning in the end. Ran under water. Yeah. Yep. My blood sugar even dropped low. You got to be prepared. I know, man. I sat down on a rock and just started eating like a bunch of Kodiak Weeps? cake cookies and oh, okay. all this other stuff. No, I brought plenty of snacks. Yeah. Yeah. That's snacks. good. I'm glad you brought snacks. Um, it is a good part, though. It so. is, yeah. 
We also went putt-putting. That's outdoors. We did do that. Spend time outside. We don't care what you do. It's honey hole. We do outdoor stuff, too. Putt-putting's right. outside. Putt-putting can be a honey hole. I would like to hey, mention... A, I mean, if you make a hole in one... I would really. like to mention me and McKenna one. Yeah. But McKenna got two hole in one. She kind of carried your team. He carried the purse. I did carry the purse. I did. Technically, I carried our team then. Yeah. I was carrying her purse so she could hit holes in one. Actually, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Kendall yeah. carried her purse and she only hit one hole in one. Yeah. See? There you go. I did not hit a hole in one. No, and none of the guys hit a hole in one. My team lost completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to lose, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it shouldn't be me. <laughs> 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 I did learn how to cliff count and putt-putt. What's cliff count? Cliff count's like about... <laughs> six. <laughs> it's like, is it about six or is it six? How many, how many hits? About, about four. Because <laughs> it's putt putt. Like half don't care. Yeah, but your bouts were like you went the other way. You're supposed to cheat. You were like you cheated, but to lose. <laughs> so then, is it cheating? <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't call it cheating. I just called it cliff counting. Cliff counting. About how many deer did you shoot this weekend, Cliff? Mm, about. <laughs> Two. <laughs> All right. Questions. Oh, before I do questions, we are going to do get back into doing the whiskey scotch reviews. Oh yeah. Not this week, but starting next week. So to y'all who have been asking us about that, we're gonna we're gonna start doing that again. So, so if you have any that. recommendations and or donations <laughs> and or donations, for sure. Then, yeah, because then the last one we tried was we talked about Angel's Envy on the podcast. Yeah, and then we had Blade and Bow last week or two weeks ago. We just didn't talk about. We it. We did not talk about it. So we're gonna get back into that. It'll what be a guys, short, like quick little. Yeah. What did you guys think of Blade and Bow? I, you know, I don't remember. I couldn't, can't remember. Mm. Hey, before we go, I into- can't even remember the podcast that we talked about last week. Much less the, the whiskey, whiskey we drank two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. No. Before we go into uh, the questions, we were talking about what outdoors things are new in our lives. What's Cliff going to do? He's taking off his I headset. Got... He's showing us something. Oh, 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 it's a tree stand. Oh, you got a tree stand? Yeah. That's a fancy looking tree stand. Oh, it's got now, a seat. Now we're all set up well, they, for... they use. I guess they don't all have a seat. They don't all have a seat. I like how easily that seat goes up and down, yeah. though. Did you get a harness, too? I do have a harness. I That's have it, good. Safety first. I have it boxed up, but I don't think I'm going to use that harness. It's a very, like, bare bones. Are you one. OSHA certified? Are you going to wear a helmet and no. you know, all that? It's a very bare... Are you, you're not going to wear a harness on that one? No, I am. Oh. But the harness that I have is the one that came with it, and it's a very bare bones harness. So I'm probably... I'm looking at getting... Another harness that will actually uh, be a little bit more comfortable yeah. and like easier to put on and off because mm-hmm. essentially the harness that I have is a bunch of straps like these yeah. that wrap around you in different ways. I have a, a climbing harness I guess I could always use. Well, the only tree scent I've ever been in has the drop down, um, like the big metal ring that kind of drops down so you literally can't go anywhere. Like a climbing stand. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it works. It's nice. The only thing is you have less movement. So I found myself like deer would show up and slowly raising it to not mm-hmm. spook them. I'm ex- super excited about this one. It's the Lone Wolf Assault. 
and I just got it. I think it came in Monday, mm-hmm. so I haven't used it yet. Where are you going to pop it up at? I have a couple of spots. Cool. A couple of public land areas that I'm going to so use it at. Will you pop, like just bust it early morning and set it up? I have a couple different ideas for how to do it. Um, I got this one specifically because it's super lightweight and durable. It weighs the whole kit with sticks and the stand itself weigh probably about maybe 15 pounds. Okay. I can slide it in the back of my pack, actually, and then just hump it out to where I'm going and set it up and have it up in like probably about 10 minutes. Yeah. And then be up in a tree and whatnot. And then if I, if I want to move spots, it's an easy tear down. So I can tear it down and move again. And do you, are you going to bring a, like a collapsible ladder or you have the little drill? Um, I have I have climbing sticks. There's a dog. So I have climbing sticks that go with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you just wrap it around a tree and then... These are called what they're calling Versa buttons. Mm -hmm. And then I just wrap it around and clip it in. It'll hold up against the tree and then I can set it up. And yeah. Awesome. Those are cool. I'm super excited about it. Nice, Cliff. Yeah, I think those are really nice. Yeah, that's that's, sweet. That's a good setup. I've never been in a tree stand or known anyone that's had one. Well, I'm also planning because like Georgia. There's a lot more trees, so there's a lot of opportunity there for mm-hmm. it, too. Yeah. And then I do have a handful of public land spots here in Texas that I can use they it can at. use it at. Mm. All right, down to questions. Will asked, what's worse, hooking that big fish and losing them or never hooking them at all? I think, well, it's, it's, that's, that's a tough question because, like, if you hook a big fish and you don't land them, you have that story, right? But you don't know about the fish you never catch or the fish you never hook into. Like, that day me and you went out on the quad and I hooked into that huge trout. Mm-hmm. Like, that happened, like, two years ago and we still talk about it. Yeah. You know? And, like, even though I didn't get, like, the satisfaction of actually landing that fish, it's still kind of a nice story to have. Yeah, I would say hooking them and not catching them. Over not hooking in anything. On or not hooking in a big guy. Any. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that your worst? Is that the one that's like ingrained in your memory? The worst. That's the biggest one that got away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that large trout on the rod. I have some like tarpon, um, ones that, but I I ended up catching some tarpon, so they they don't burn as bad. Yeah. But the one that haunts me the most is a brown trout on the San Juan that I lost. That was minimum ten pounds, and I have three people that can corroborate that story. How big it was? Dude, this trout was. Well, yeah, it's a fish it was there. a life once in a lifetime fish. Yeah, I think on the San Juan, I've lost so many fish on that river that it's like it doesn't, oh, I have to. It doesn't sting. But a ten pound fish. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, exactly. I would have. I would have retired on that fish. <laughs> yeah, like all the fish on the on the San Juan are good size, but like that is like a monster. Mm-hmm. It was probably thirty six inches. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It. I'm getting mad just thinking about it. <laughs> so, Cliff, what, what do you think? Yeah, catch fish to lose fish. Yeah. Why? Cliff's saying he doesn't catch fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would probably say losing it. 
Yeah. I would rather l- lose it because at least you got that fight. Mm-hmm. It, you attempted it. Just that initial tug is always like the thrill. That's enough to feel that little tickle mm-hmm. in your tummy. That's true. Like half the fun is when you like when you are stripping or whatever, and all of a sudden you feel that bite. Like you feel that that line tighten up. Yeah. yeah, but I will will say like on the other side of that, at least like never hooking into it at all, then it's not haunting your dreams mm-hmm. and That's like true. getting mad about it. But I'd still say I would rather hook it and lose it than right. yeah. never to even feel that. You'll tug. think about it. I'll probably never forget that, honestly. Yeah. That brown trout, like ever. Unless I match it, but I'll still probably haunt me. Because you know, so, you'll still think about it. And I fought it for such a long time, too, knowing how big it was. Well, so it wasn't thing. like yeah. two seconds and it broke off. This was like I was in the game for like 10 minutes. Yeah. The, the one for the, on the quad for me was like I only had it for like five seconds. But there's fish on the San Juan where like – you would fight them, fight them, like they'd run, then you catch up to them, run, and they catch up to them, and then, like, as you're bringing it to the net, they just pop out, mm-hmm. and it's a huge fish. So, I'm gonna, okay. There's this person on Instagram, Alex A-M-F-T-E-O. If that is you, he submits a blank question every week. On purpose? I don't know, but it's every week. I'm kind of calling you out. Please submit a real question. Maybe anyway. he doesn't know. Maybe he's like, hey, oh, that's news to me. I don't know. Or maybe he is like. Maybe he <laughs> typed something out and it's deleted and he needed to know. All right. That it's not coming through. But Alex, if you have a question. We're not getting it. You can, we're not getting it. And you can direct message us. And if you're like, dang, those guys never read my question. Now you know why. No, he has to be someone who's following us. We could click into his profile and check him out. No picture. I've already looked. I've done my background investigation. It's a bot. No, okay. <laughs> I was going to say it's a bot. <laughs> okay. Um, Josh asked, I think IPA beers are overrated. This is a hot take. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree too. Uh, I thought I was going to get to argue with somebody. No, I used to like IPAs all the time because everyone tells you like, oh, you start <sighs> drinking beer. So you have to get into IPA. I think beer is overrated in general. I'm going to disagree hard yep. with you on that one. Yeah. Me too. You're, Wait, you guys are both going to disagree. disagree. Yeah. Beer is amazing. It is really not. It, it has really alcohol is. in it. Maybe you're just not drinking the right beer. No, I. the only thing that I found that I like can actually sit back and enjoy and not like force myself to constantly be sitting on it, actually want to drink it, mm-hmm. is a Dos Equis with a lime on a hot day. I mean, yeah, that's a good beer. Uh, like In that situation, they're fun, you know? Um, but... I don't like IPAs anymore because I've realized I don't like the taste of pine needles in my mouth. And when you burp, it tastes like you're burping acid. Yep, exactly. But, like, a good porter or, like, a stout in the winter are, like, amazing. The other beer I can kind of give a consensus to is sours. I love sours. I do like a sour. Yeah, I'm not. I take the stance of I like my beer like I like my women. Just cheap and domestic. Just there cheap and domestic so i like this like really crappy gas station beers like the light beers miller light miller light lone star coors light yeah paps blue ribbon i like those i feel like the purpose of a beer Mm -hmm. is it's a working man's beverage why it's not something that has to be all hoity-toity crafty or whatnot it should be something that you can grab 
It cools you down, it unwinds you, it does the job, relaxes, and then you can get on and get going with your life to do what else you need. See, I think there's, okay, so there's a difference. Like, if I'm out on the field, I'm not going to, I'm 100% agree with Cliff, right? Like, if I'm dove hunting, or if I am just, like, out on a guy's weekend at the ranch, I'm not going to buy any fancy beer. I'm going to buy, like you said, like, some cheapo gas station Lone Star or something like that, right? And that's good. But, like, if I'm sitting down to have a dinner and I want to, like you said, even if it's a little hoity-toity, but, like, there's a reason why flavors work. There's a reason why you season your food, right? Because you don't, don't, don't just want to chew leather, leather. You want to mix things together. You want to have a good flavor profile. So that's why when you sit down to have your dinner, you want that beer that's going to match whatever you're eating that completes everything together. I, I don't see it. So I think I beer is like, overrated. Okay, if you can say, you can, well, I, 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 you can say it's overrated. That's I, fine. Yeah, I. I, I I just don't agree. I I just don't see how people. I just don't understand how people like beer so much. It, I just guess. Just I good. guess it doesn't do it for me because with wine I can get that like pairing wine. Like oh, I, I love wine. I also like whiskey and scotch. So, so I will I will concede with you, Landon, on and disagree with you, Zach. With like dinner, I would much rather have a glass of wine. A it glass depends. of red wine. Like, if I have a pizza, I want a beer. If I have a burger, I want, like, a good beer. Okay, I get that. But if I'm having a pizza or a burger, You're I'm not, not going to, like, the hoity-toity beers. I'm going back to my cheap and domestic right, right, beers. Okay, but, like, a burger or pizza is super savory, super salty, right? Domestic beers typically aren't super sweet, right? But you have, like, uh, like a brown ale or a red ale that have more caramel flavors that come through. So when you eat your salty, savory pizza and then you drink your more sweet beer, they play off each other really well and they work better to complete a full meal. I would argue that the beer ruins whatever your food you're eating. No. And (laughs) I will say, (laughs) I also tend to drink like, if I'm going out to dinner, Uh I tend to drink a water yeah, so too. that I'm not getting like mixing flavors that I can actually like taste my food. Oh yeah. No, I'm just saying as somebody who like enjoys pairing beers with food because I understand how food flavors work that it's fun to do that, right? It's fun to compare things and see how like if you drink something different you get a different flavor out of what you're eating or vice versa. Yeah. Paying for the food out of rather taste the food. <laughs> um all right, Paul. I also want to say what I said about how I like my beer and my women, that was a joke in its entirety. So I don't want anyone getting offended and being like, oh, Cliff. We might have to cut I it. I don't know. Maybe. No, nah, we'll leave it. I don't. You made your apology. <laughs> All right. Okay. Paul. He messaged us, okay, about the, okay, the bow situation is being brought up again. We got your article, Paul, and we looked at it. And I think that we're all in agreement because the article you sent us, the guy was shooting a 46-pound traditional traditional bow. And Cliff mentioned on the podcast that he thought 45 pounds was, like, minimum that you should shoot. Um, I think you sent me an Easton article, Cliff, that said 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, It should also be mentioned that Texas doesn't have a minimum bow requirement, but some states do. Oh, do they? Um, I don't think I knew that. And so, I don't know. I think we're on the same page because the article you sent, like they were trying to make the argument that 
we could see the argument they were making in the sense of, you know, traditional bows, you can't get as strong of a draw because you don't have the mechanical advantage of a compound bow. But he's still shooting a 46-pound bow, and we said 45 pounds. So if you're disagreeing with us on something that we said, we need you to, like, spell it out for us so we can make our address it we can address it and move past because the article you send us makes it seem like you agree i don't know if you're trying to argue with us and say you disagree with us or if you are if we're all on the same page and you're just giving us cool articles to read because i enjoyed reading it yeah so it's like send us a detailed message of what your thoughts are dissertation style and we will dissect it i want it is it apa chicago style I like you Chicago. want Chicago style? Yeah, Chicago. AP, AP style book is the way you say though. Okay. Chicago is like history majors, so that's what I grew up with. see journalists use AP. Yeah. Whatever style, just some kind of college format. <laughs> <laughs> Double space. Double space. <laughs> Big letters so we can read it. <laughs> Big letters. You know, like fourth grade and below. <laughs> use small words. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we're going to leave that, Paul, because we... I don't know we, – we don't know what to argue with you about if you're trying to argue because what we got from the article was everything that we already said. So so we agree. So we agree. That's what we think is that we think that us and Paul are agreeing, but we don't know if Paul is sending us the articles to argue with us or if he's sending them to us just because they're cool articles. So um, Let us know. Oh, it's bourbon, birds, and bass. Gotcha. Yeah. Nippers or fingernail clippers? Let's be honest. They're the same thing. But are they? Yes. No, nip. I'm going nippers. Yeah, me too. Every time I've taken fingernail clippers, they, they do not cut light tippet well. No, they... And they don't cut thick tippet well either. Yeah. They do like the medium stuff kind of okay for yeah. three times and then they break. Yeah. But they work. Okay, yes, they work in a pinch. But I will say... Better than nothing. Correct. Better than But he knife. said fingernail clippers or nippers. Not fingernail clippers or nothing. I am going nippers... 10 times out of 10. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I am someone that owns premium nippers, and I think that premium nippers are worth the investment. I agree. Yeah, I do too. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say they're pretty much the same thing. But, and I'm putting a strong but, we all want the gear. We all want the toys that come with Mm -hmm. it. I'm going premium nippers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know Over. if it's like just wanting the nice gear. I think like the nippers just I, perform better. I've used than so many nope. types of nippers. I really do think the nippers that I have, as long as I don't lose them, they're going to last forever. Yeah. And that's a, why a lot of people don't buy premium because like I'm just going to drop them in the river. I totally get that. Right. And if you want to buy like five dollar nippers, like that's I I can understand that because I am fearful of losing. Yeah. my premium nippers. But let's be honest. All right, so you know the like the cheap nick nippers that come that are almost like I don't want to say spring because they're not spring, but they're like pinched down mm-hmm. and like riveted in the back and then just open up and you just smush them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those it looks like be, this, right? Right. Those can't be any better than fingernail clippers. I think that they are. I think those are hard to use. So. I don't like using those. I don't like I think, using them either, but I think that I think with fingernail clippers in that instance, like you're comparing those the cheapy cheap ones and fingernail clippers, I would almost rather go for actual practicality in using the fingernail clippers because you can get that better leverage. No, yeah. I, I, I do I, I get what you're saying. I think that the even the cheap nippers are sharpened 
better than fingernail clippers, so you're going to get cleaner cuts. Maybe your fingernail clippers are just dull. Maybe they are. And then, also, and then also, uh, fingernail clippers don't have the hook eye cleaner, which probably oh, yeah. 33% of the flies I put on my fly box have glue in the eye. Yeah. And uh, the it. needle I, I say, I is a, a requirement. I'm going nippers. I wasn't thinking ten times of that. Out of 10. No. I wasn't thinking of that, but that is a good point. Yeah. And I have fingernail clippers in my like conventional box, and every time I use them, I wish I had my nippers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another one from Bourbon's Birds and Bass. Bucky's is overrated. Hot take. Okay. I don't know. I'm like Texan outside being born here, so I know I'm going to get some flack for that, but okay. Yeah. It's always too crowded. However, their bathrooms are nice, and their beef jerky is good. I would say... I'm going to say no. I do not think Bucky's is overrated. In a world where every gas station bathroom you go to, it's especially disgusting. during these times of COVID... It looks sketchy. And, and they're, out, they're in there cleaning it, making sure... Okay. You can feel, you can feel confident putting bare cheek to Bucky's yeah. toilet. Yes. You, know, you don't I'm, have to put a toilet seat cover. I'm going... I will go out of my way to stop at a Bucky's if I have to go to the bathroom, knowing how clean they are. And while I'm there, I'm probably going to buy a breakfast burrito. Their burritos are good. Or um, a brisket sandwich. Or a brisket sandwich. Their, everything is good. I don't understand that they have a store, like a clothing store, but okay, I'm going to retract my overrated and say, yeah, I like Bucky's. I like Bucky's. The only thing about Bucky's is that they're not at every corner. That's my thing. <laughs> you wish there were more. <laughs> I wish there were more. Or maybe it's a quality versus quantity sort of I thing. I wish they could do like the small style where they don't have everything, but they just have clean bathrooms. I'm going to take a hot take on it. Okay. I think that originally Bucky's was not overrated. I'd say with it being a Texas thing, it was a Texas staple and not overrated. Okay. Now they are building Bucky's all across the country. So I can point one out in Alabama uh-huh. as you're going to Gulf Shores. I can put point one out in Calhoun, middle of nowhere, Georgia. Okay, so you're saying that you want. I'm to say saying Texas. I want it as someone who's come from outside the state, <laughs> fallen in love with Bucky's. <laughs> yeah, and no, now knowing that they're putting one in these places, mm-hmm. a place that I frequently visited, being Calhoun, mm-hmm. Georgia. They're like no. I think them going there and branching out is a smart business move on their part, but I think that that is going to make it completely overrated because part of the nostalgia of Bucky's was it was quintessential Texas, and now they're losing that. That is true. I'm disagreeing. I like knowing that if I'm in Alabama, for whatever random reason, I see a Bucky sign, I have a little piece a of Texas. Little piece of Texas. And a clean place to go to the bathroom, <laughs> but they're not gonna—they're not gonna care and give you special treatment because you're from Texas. Trust they me, might. I tried. No, I tried. <laughs> I was like, hey, "Hold on, guys, let me get this brisket sandwich because I know better than you. I'm mm. from the state now, and they don't—they don't care. It is cool when you're driving down the highway in another state and you see one. Though you're like. It's like a glowing, happy sunshine with yeah. a beaver in the middle of it now. Yeah. Like, I, I do think, though, with it becoming, it's not going to be a Texas thing anymore if they continue to grow like they are. And I'm happy for Bucky's to do that on a business side. Yeah. I'm not saying don't, 
But I think what they should have done is either tailored it to the state to make it a state like pride thing that they could do. Yeah. Or not go into these other states because it is 10 years from now when they're going to be along every major highway in the United States. Yeah. People in California are going to have them. They're going to come to Texas and it's not going to be something that like amaze your friends when they come and visit you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So devil's advocate. What if Bucky's were everywhere, right? Everywhere in the States, but only Texans could use them. Dude, then I'd be fine with it. <laughs> like, you have to show your Texas driver's yeah, license yeah. going again? Yeah. Yeah, then, then it's perfect. <laughs> Everybody could buy the gas, but only Texans can yeah, actually I'm, go in. I'm going to have to disagree, Cliff. I mean, I would rather go to a gas station with a clean bathroom. They got some good snacks. Yeah, but know. I don't think that's discounting its overratedness or not. That's what I'm saying. Is like we could take pride in that we had no. a gas station with super clean bathrooms i'm saying it's underrated therefore it should be spread across the country i don't know i don't i don't care if other people are arguing over a gas station okay. i mean like dairy queens okay. everywhere either you know but that's I, it's still what i like about texas texas gave away the game to tech <laughs> isn't that their their slogan on the commercial <laughs> <laughs> i didn't hear what you guys said because i was reading the question <laughs> What'd you say, Zach? It's DQ. That's what I like about Texas, yeah. but it's everywhere. <laughs> but that that is a perfect example of it. Dairy Queen, I believe it started in Texas. Like it I was, a, it could have mm. been. But Dairy Queen isn't special like Bucky's or Whataburger. But maybe it lost. Like maybe fifty years ago, it was special. But now that it's everywhere, it's not special anymore. Maybe this is what Cliff's trying to tell us. That Bucky's is not going to be special. I'm a time special. traveler, and I'm trying to warn you. <laughs> no, but what I'm, what, I'm de- what I'm saying is, like, what what's special about Dairy Queen compared to the other fast food chains? Nothing. Well, we don't know that. But like I said, we've only lived in a world that has We're, had Dairy Queen everywhere. Yeah, but what's special about Dairy Queen? They're Blizzard. Maybe, okay, if, maybe there's a whole other side of Dairy Queen we don't know about if, prior to expansion. What I'm saying is... Bucky's is unique in the clean bathrooms thing. I don't think I don't think Exxon's just gonna wake up one day and be like, you know what, we're gonna have clean bathrooms. I think they're just gonna continue to not clean them. You don't think Dairy Queen? <laughs> just, you don't think Dairy Queen had like super clean bathrooms when they first started? It's probably the Blizzard. I know somewhere, but everyone has everyone has ice cream now. I know somewhere. Frosty, Frosty, McDonald's. Frosty McFlurry. It never works though. So go get McFlurry right still, now. They'll tell you it's not. They'll yeah. tell you no go. All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> And I will tell you, I know someone from Texas who claims that Quick Trip is better than Bucky's. Quick Trip's like an Oklahoman thing. I like Quick Trip. I don't know where it's from. Not gonna I, lie. A, I grew up with them. In I'm not going to lie. Coast. Oh, okay. All the Quick Trips in San Antonio are brand spanking new. They are. If they Bucky's are is not. number one, Quick Trip is number two. They are. But they're, it's not close, though. But. You would it's say, not close, but it's number two. Yeah, but for sure. What, what Easily. I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is Quick Trip normally has clean bathrooms. Yeah, they do. And it smells they like have bubble gum. They have good food. It does always smell like bubble gum. Yeah. Um, they have good food and stuff there. But I do not think that Quick Trip is like special like Bucky's is. Because Bucky's is uniquely Texas. Yeah. 
I get that. Bucky's also has a marketing thing of like the beaver. And yeah, that beaver's always like, come see me. They always have that deal. Quick Trip isn't marketing like a koala bear. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Have, oh, yeah. You know? The Quick Trip koala. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I also do like how you can walk into Bucky's and you can literally buy a deer blind. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm moving on to the next question because we beat that one down pretty good. That's a, that's a <laughs> podcast topic. <laughs> it's Bucky's overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Should Bucky's expand? <laughs> Texas gave I, away. I, 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 I want to say. I want to say. No, I do wish no that Bucky's were along the highway everywhere just for me. Like Zach said, I wish like only Texans could get in. Just, but Texas I don't Bucky. want it to be in other states. Yeah. Okay, unless let's it's move only, on. Unless it's only for Texas. <laughs> okay, next question or hot take? I don't know. Texas gave away the game to Tech. Did you watch the game? No, you were hunting. Yeah, but I'm done with Tech this year. Yeah, Tech blew the game. I'm, yeah. I, Texas didn't give it away. Texas won. Tech, they did not catch the onside kick. They were up 15 points with three minutes left. Tech gave away the game to Texas. Yeah. No, if I wanted to cry every Saturday, I just rewatch a walk to remember. <laughs> I was with you on the hunt. We're all, hey, hey, we're in basketball now, okay? We're yeah. basketball school. Basketball, so, baseball, yeah. that is good. Talk to us about basketball or baseball. Don't, or like... Hey, we're track national champs. Right. Okay. Or girls soccer. Just don't yeah. talk to us about football. No. Everything but football. Um, articulated flies are a waste of money. Hot take. I don't know. I, I don't use them. But then some people swear by them. Do you have an opinion on this, Cliff? I don't think that they're... I nothing them. I think it's up to the the fly fisher. I <laughs> no, think it's no, up no. to that's, the fisherman. That's not what the hot takes are about. Yep. I'm going to say I think they're overrated. I think articulated flies are overrated. Okay. I nothing articulated fly I flies. I think that there's a lot of hype because they're cool to tie and the like the fly tires get into them mm-hmm. and oh I can put all these cool materials in and can move really well. But when it comes down to it, even like in uh uh George Daniel's book Strip Set where he talks about um But you buy a lot of game changers. Yeah, but I don't. And those are articulated. Yeah. And they look freaking sweet in the water. However, I catch more fish on other flies than game changers. Most, even, yeah. George Daniel makes a big point in his book that most big fish are going to eat a fly that's like one to two inches, which is not articulated. Yeah. Now, what I think articulated flies are good for is searching for fish because if you get aggressive fish, they're probably going to try to push a big fly out of their area, and you can find bigger fish by throwing articulated flies. So you troll articulated flies and you throw Correct. an articulated If you're musky fishing, obviously you have to use like a big articulated fly. Or just a big fly. I don't know. I don't know how many of them articulated. Game changers are cool. I do fish game changers. But I do think as a whole right now in fly fishing, the whole articulated fly thing is being a little overdone. Yeah. And I mean, if you yeah. look, if you want a Tenkara fish or you just want to throw articulated flies, I don't really care. You can do you. We are Could at you the point. Could you throw articulated flies on a Tenkara rod? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could, you know, dab That's it. the ultimate but move. Would you, could, would you care? That's the ultimate <laughs> move, yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, I think articulated flies are a waste of money. They cost more. You can catch fish on 
non-articulated flies. Zach, will you grab me one? Ranch water is the drink of choice tonight. I've been drinking Lone Star. I feel like I need to get a fan for in here. It's actually pretty comfortable right now. Yeah, especially because it's just going to get cooler throughout the year, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's stale in here. Like, I just want some air movement, not... Okay, everywhere. we got a lot of questions. Yeah, but we don't have Ian's segment, so we have what? more time. Okay, I'm going to do one more question, and I'm going to screenshot these and ask some of them next week. Yeah, because I think, yeah, exactly. We can just say a long question segment, which is, this has been fun. Um, and replace for argument. All right. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Favorite camo and patterns? Cliff, would you like to start? No, I have no opinion. <laughs> that's, a tough, that's, a tough, that's a really tough question, I feel like. Okay, I'll start, because I just bought camo. So, I just bought camo from Cabela's. Um, the camo pattern I bought is called Strata, S-T-R-A-T-A. The cool thing I like about that pattern is that it's like muted brown. I, I think it's a good Texas color pattern. Um also, it is across a wide variety of brands. So um, a lot of camo manufacturers have access to that pattern, so you can buy it in multiple. There's like five yeah, or six like a, brands. it's like a newer Realtree. Yeah, and I think it looks a lot better than Realtree. Yeah. Um, and so it's widely available, so you can match it up easily, but you can find you know stuff that fits. It's I think a lot of reasonably camo, affordable. I think a lot of camos are it's, companies are going more like the new patterns and stuff are more of this blotchy style instead of like real tree where it's like really defined, like little leaves and stuff like that. Or yeah, well, they go for more like uh, break up your silhouette sort of thing. Right. And I agree with that premise a lot more. So I'm li- loving these new camo patterns mm-hmm. that are coming out. For me... Well, wait, let me, let me finish. Okay. Let me, let me finish Screw real quick. Clifus, so. No, no, no. Because I asked you first and you said, I don't have an opinion. So I'm giving mine first. And then you can give yours next, unless Zach wants to go next. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you got booted to the bottom booted. of the list. Um. So and look, I I like Sitka camo. I like Kuyu camo. I like First Light camo. Those are probably like the the premium Top brands three. of camo right now. Yeah. What? Bad, but Badlands is rising. I would say Badlands is rising. Price point wise, though. I bought like five pieces of camo for the cost of like one or two pieces of those brands of camo. So if you want your money to go a long way, then, you know, you don't have to dish out huge money for really for like expensive camo. I will say, though, I did not buy any cold weather gear and that type of those types of camos after like looking around Cabela's. I'm going to say the money is going to be worth it for cold weather gear and rain gear because right. the rain gear that was like more affordable is not going to last. It's no. gonna, not going to last one trip. By the end of the day, a dry fit shirt is going to be the a same. A dry fit shirt is a dry fit shirt. Whether you pay 20 bucks or whether you pay 60 A pair bucks. of like cotton pants is a pair of cotton pants. Right. Um, You're wearing cotton out there? No, it's not cotton. You're going to burn up? Um, it's wet? But not dry. Bad mistake. Yeah. No, it's not cotton. I just said cotton just to throw a material out there. Yeah. Um, she just said polyurethane. Yep. But um, <laughs> I would like a full set of Sitka camo, like Cliff's outfitted. Yeah. Cliff just looks fancy out there. But yeah. he's too good for you. You can't see him. No. I'm, I'm, 
no. just right for beer. <laughs> my my other alcohol budget goes to camo. <laughs> that's why he buy, that's why he drinks cheap beer so he can buy more camo. Right. He has to save his hoity toitiness for the other things. So my opinion is Wait, Zach, did you want to go? No, you go because I can go on a rant on I was just, my, my, I mean, my opinion on camo is like I have a couple of nice pieces. I have a couple of cheap pieces. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about breaking up your silhouette. Um, you know, our granddads, our grandpas went out there and red flannels and blue jeans and killed probably more deer than I'll ever see in my lifetime. You wind, know? wind direction is going to kill you 10 times more than camo color. Right. 110%. Yeah. I agree. And if you're shooting, like, realistically, most of us in Texas shoot from blinds a lot of the time. Yeah, you could go out in your fluorescent yellow Nikes <clears throat> and all this other stuff. Right. And it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? And I would argue, too, that even rifle hunting is different to some extent than bow hunting. Bow hunting, I want to be a little bit more broken up. Like, I would probably wear actual camo when I'm bow hunting versus, mm-hmm. like, if I'm rifle hunting, I might wear big, like, neutral colors uh, more often and not feel like it would be a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it from now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave. Or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. The floor is yours, Cliff. I agree. That's that's my opinion on it. I agree with you. I have had cheaper sets of camo in the past. I've had medium-range camo in the past. And I have a what is considered a top-tier premium brand camo that I run now. I love the camo company that I... You can say who you run. So I I run Sitka Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. I don't think that it's necessarily any better than First Light. I don't think that it's necessarily any better than Kuyu. I don't think that it's necessarily any better than some of these other companies coming out. I just prefer them. I trust, I put a trust in them being a part of the Gore-Tex family and running Gore-Tex stuff in the past. And that's how I got sucked into the world of Sitka. Sitka also... Time out. Doesn't Gore-Tex own Sitka? Or... 
think it's the other, other way. way. I think Sitka owns Gore-Tex. Mm-hmm. No, it's no, got to be think, the other way. I think Gore-Tex owns Gore-Tex, Sitka. the parent company that owns Gore-Tex also owns Sitka. No, I think like Gore-Tex. Like, it's the same company. Yeah, yeah whatever be, it yeah. is. Yeah, the same parent company. Right. And for those who don't know, Gore-Tex is a, like it was a material that's completely waterproof, but also very breathable. Mm. Correct. And I broke my teeth in the Gore-Tex and enjoyed that. So I put a lot of trust, and I've always hunted in cool areas, not cold. Yeah. And predominantly wet areas because it gets wet in Georgia. It gets wet here. Yeah. So I think about the water retention more than like being necessarily warm all the time. Cold to me is 50 degrees or so. Whereas cold to someone in Minnesota is 12, 12. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything if it's 12 degrees outside. I, so I liked the Gore-Tex waterproofness. Now, are Sitka, is Sitka extremely warm? Yes, it is. So is First Light, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so is Kuyu stuff. Well, I think there's an argument, too, of like these. all these brands have their little niches. It's like First Light makes the best wool, merino wool products. Correct. So, I would say if you're going organic product, First Light is yeah. probably really good. Kuyu's always catered more towards sheep hunters. Right. Correct. Their original so. patterns are more of the Rocky Mountain type. Mm-hmm. Not Rocky Mountains, but a Rocky Mountain side camo pattern. I really like Sitka's elevated to pattern for being up. I'm thinking about it because this is a new one that I've kind of started looking into. But elevated two is really good for being like up in a tree because it's a lot of darker tones. You match up into a skyline and the backdrop of a tree a little bit better. I think ground hunting in South Texas, I am more open country. And that's what a lot of my Sitka is. I feel like if you're up in like green areas, then the uh, subalpine pattern mm-hmm. works better. Yeah. And all three of those companies now have Several camo, prob- camo patterns that work well in those areas. Mm-hmm. Now, for duck hunting and stuff, I've always been a Drake guy. I run a lot of Drake for duck hunting. Yeah. And I'm not a big duck hunter. Don't like, I'm trying to get more into it. I've only been a handful of times in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, but I grew, I started with Drake there. And that's what all my friends wore. So I put a lot of trust in them. And then I went to Sitka. Sitka's duck hunting stuff is a little out of my price range. Yeah. Mike could do it by saving and all this other stuff. But for like ducks, I prefer their duck stuff is more expensive than their hunting. Gear. And it's probably a higher quality, but it, at the end of the day, it probably gets the job done. You know, yeah, in the same way, you'll still kill ducks either way. R- yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's probably what it comes down to. Is just for I say, I say your biggest things to worry about. Don't worry about the camo. Yeah, everyone wants like their premium brand or the brand that they see is the best in their eyes. But honestly. What you should be looking for, and I wish someone told me this when I was getting into it because I would hem and haw all over it, when really what you need to do is buy camo Mm -hmm. or buy something that's going to break up your pattern. Mm -hmm. If you're wearing real tree 
in the middle of a desert, it's still going to break up your silhouette yeah. more. It looks worse like something other than a person. Honey hole hangout is always going to opt for you to be outside <laughs> hunting, fishing, putt putting, checking out dinosaur tracks, whatever Shaking you guys want to do. <laughs> whatever you guys want to do. We're always going to opt for you guys to be outside. And if that means like whatever gear you can take, go hunting, go fishing. Just you don't have to like dish out. Like if you want to use fingernail clippers, great. We all kind of joke that we like premium nippers. That's fine. If you don't want to spend the money, that's fine. Just be outside and do what you want to do. All right, guys. So we're going to move on to our articles. Um, Zach, you're on the board. So who gets to go first? Oh, who wants to go first? Uh, okay. Who has a Cliff is going to go. So we are going to do. Cliff's Cool Conservation Corner. C4. <laughs> we could finally, we could probably find an explosion, explosion sound bite that's not like oh, a yeah. legal issue. For sure. Yeah. There's one out there for sure. All right. So I titled this. First, you ever seen the movie Planet of the Apes? Which one? Any I've of them? I mean, yeah, I've seen all I've of them. I've seen like one of them, like the newer one. Um, Just the Mark, Mark Wahlberg one. That's the newer no. one, right? I think I mine was like James one. Franco. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I Those saw. Those are good. Mark Wahlberg one's okay. And then the originals are pretty good, too. All right. Well, none of that really matters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was just curious. Okay. To see. Cool. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Cliff. <laughs> but I want you to keep in mind, because that's what I was thinking about when I was reading like the articles for this. So I titled this one, The Feral Hog Uprising. And it's... Yeah, I would say that it's been a wild 2020 as everything is, and this is another wild 2020 story. So it started off where like this train started going off the rails was I believe there was a guy in Arkansas who called into a radio or tweeted or something about how to get rid of about 30 to 50 feral hogs that were in his front yard mm -hmm. or in his yard while his children were playing. And so that got researchers like thinking, and of course, everyone, everyone across the Southeast and particularly Texas thinks about feral hogs. Like it's a fair game. They're a nuisance animal here. You can hunt them on private land without a license at all. You can just yeah. go out and shoot them. There's no regulations on feral hog. In a lot of states, that is also the case, as long as you have the right proper like a hunting license allows you to have unlimited bag limits on feral hog. Right. But how many feral hogs would you say, or wild pigs, would you say are estimated in the United States? Uh, I'm going to guess 14 million. I'm going to guess 30. I'm going to guess 30 million. Y'all are both really high. That's kind of anticlimactic for me. <laughs> oh. I would say... Roughly 9 million wild pigs. Oh, at 14 million. That's pretty close. Yeah, you were close, but it's still higher. Yeah. So, I was pretty close on the billion scale. <laughs> <laughs> so there's roughly 9 million wild pigs in the United States by an estimation. Texas has a population of 29 million people. It's the second most populated state in the Union right after California. Mm -hmm. Georgia has a population of 10.62 million. How many does Texas have? 30? 
29 million. So yeah, let's round it up to 30. But the point that I'm making is as many people as there are in Georgia, there's only a little bit more people than there are okay. feral hogs in the United States. So if we turned everybody into hogs who live in Georgia, we'd double the pig population. Pretty much. Yes, you would. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put that, Zach. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Here's another interesting t- statistic. There are more wild pigs than the 11th most populated state in the country, which what do you think is the 11th most populated state? Delaware? That's not Delaware. Connecticut. No, it's going to be uh, it's going to be like Kansas. Nope. New Jersey. So y'all were close on your first guesses. Mm. New New England state, almost say country. Uh, but New Jersey is the 11th most populated state in the country with an S with about 8 million 882,190 people. Okay. So a little over, not quite 9 million people. So there are more wild pigs in the country than there are people in the state of New Jersey. So if we took the people from New Jersey and took the people from Georgia and turned them into pigs, <laughs> we'd triple, Which the, I would we'd say, triple the pig population. Why are we comparing I, state populations to pig populations? Just keep on listening. It's okay. fun. It's okay. neat. It's neat okay. to know. Now, I'm just curious. I think it's hilarious. I'm just, I wouldn't know how I, would, I could triple but, the population <laughs> of pigs. But I would say... And the populations are already pigs, depending <laughs> on your definition of a pig. Um, there are more pigs in the United States than there are people in the entire country of Austria. Okay. So there are more pigs than an entire population of a country in the mm-hmm. world. Dang. Austria has a population of about 8 million or 8.859 million. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. So if you take all the people in Austria, all the people in Georgia. <laughs> That's how we can quadruple the pig population. So now into the meat of the, the article. Wild pigs have gone from about 17 states to 39 states in just about 30 years. Okay. So they've extended their range. That seems kind of slow considering we have cars and stuff now. Well, pigs can't drive. Oh, oh. <laughs> Researchers say the wild pigs are particularly are practically super pigs. That's what made me think of Planet of the Apes and them taking over Uh, because of a hybridization that has occurred. Because wild hogs, boars, will mate with domestic pigs. Well, yeah, because the wild hogs here are just domestic pigs. They got loose like a hundred years ago or something, right? Or imported for sport. See, I didn't think they were invasive like that. I think the hogs are just naturally, like, released from, like, the last couple hundred years, and they just slowly over Kinda time... Kind of, sort of, and they, few people have imported them. Yeah, there have been imported, yeah. Have there been? Yeah. Yes. But I've heard a statistic in the past, this isn't in my article, but and I don't know how true it is, because it's kind of like a hearsay, like, wives tell, like, you and your hunting buddy sitting at a bar talking... Uh, say that a domestic pig can go completely wild in just three generations. So right. you have a completely domestic pig, and they have it gets it gets loose. It has a litter, and they have three 
litters a year Great. and they are ready to breed within I think nine months too. So like those generations are happen- happening fast. Yeah, that could happen within a year. Right. I think it's three generations from a do- completely domesticated pig mm-hmm. to a completely wild pig. So it will have all its traditional like wild pig markings. So it will create that fur. It will grow mm-hmm. the bigger tusk. It will create that mm-hmm. shield. And it that will- just happens in three years basically. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So wild pigs have gone from 17 states to 39 states in just about 30 years. Researchers say the wild pigs are particularly are practically super pigs because of the hybridization between domestic pigs and wild boars. Texas has the largest population of wild hogs, and it's an estimated 1.5 million wild hogs in the state of Texas alone. Okay, so we have a good chunk of them. Yes. The Britannica, do y'all know what Britannica is? Nope. So they used to write encyclopedias and stuff like that. Okay, I was like, why do I know mm -hmm. that name though? But now it's an online encyclopedia publication. Encyclopedia. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And they explain, and I'm taking this as a quote from them, the increase in such characteristics as size, growth rate, fertility, and yield of hybrid organisms organisms over those of its parents plants and animals breeders exploit heterosis by mating two different purebred lines that have certain desirable traits the first generation offspring usually show in greater measure the desired characteristics of both parents this vigor may decrease however if the hybrids are mated together so what that is saying is the hybridization of the feral hogs to a domestic hog is domestic hogs breed quicker. They're more, and they breed in larger litters than what a typical feral hog would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the hybrid takes that aspect of it so they can breed faster and breed more than the typical feral hog. But the hybrid hog will grow a protective coat of fur, which if you've ever shot or ever seen or touched a feral hog before, you'll know that their hair is extremely coarse. Yeah. Like, it will dull your knife quick. Yeah. Like, in the skinning of a 80-pound hog, I had to resharpen my knife two times mm-hmm. in the process of it. It will also cause them to grow their tusk out a little mm. bit more. Um, the size of feral hogs also tend to be a little bit larger. They also will tend to go more nocturnal than the domestic hogs. The hybridization of the domestic pigs and wild boars result in a hybrid having protective fur of the boar and the ability to have huge litters more frequently. So, yeah, I've already said that. So the last part of this, I'm pulling from the Atlantic, says the first generations of pigs that break out from farm enclosures will grow tusk, typically removed, that would have been typically removed by farmers, and start to roam 20 plus miles in range. That's pretty crazy. So their range is also pretty large and substantial. 20 plus miles, yeah. That was nice. That's good info. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Um, when the hogs are such a problem, and it's like something that like yeah. everyone always wants to talk about. Yeah. One thing that you like comparing your uh, like 
hog population statistics made me think about was uh, you should look into the coyote problem. I read, I think it was... Because there's way more coyotes than people think there are. Yes. And uh, I don't know what the numbers are, but that'd be a good uh, C4 topic. Yeah, I can look into it. I read a book called Coyote America, I believe. Yeah. And in that book, he states that there is not a single person in the United States that does not live within two miles of a coyote den. So that's even taking in consideration New York City, Los Angeles, Austin, Houston, Dallas, these major cities, major urban populations still have coyote I saw that. Do do a thing on that because that sounds really interesting. Two miles. Leave it. That's pretty neat. We'll leave it. That is a cliffhanger. Oh, I like what you did there. Yeah. Um, But I was driving home uh, from the last podcast. No, no, no. Two parts. Yeah. Oh, were you driving home? I was driving home. I was chatting with Ian on the phone. And as I was chatting with Ian, I was coming down uh, Vance Jackson right by Chicken and Pickle. Mm -hmm. And a coyote crossed the street in front of me. That's crazy. So there is literally a coyote within two miles of my house in urban San Antonio. So we'll leave it at that. All right, Zach, I'll go next. I wonder what the percentage of the population of, though, that has never seen a coyote. I'm sure a lot of people yeah, have probably, never seen a coyote. Yeah, but I think it'd be interesting to Even people like that hunt them, number. they're a very hard animal to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To hunt. They're sneaky. They're quick. They'll wind you. Mm-hmm. They will walk miles around you to get downwind of you. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll All go right, next. So Zach. next we have our On Patrol. On Patrol. Cold Case Edition. That's right. Cold Case Edition. So I wanted to find, I wanted to start in Texas. I wanted to start in Texas at our national parks because okay. it's national park cold cases. I'll even take state parks if I can find them, but I haven't found any state park uh, cold cases, at least in Texas. There are two cold cases in Texas currently, one at Guadalupe Mountains National Park okay. and one at Big Bend. Okay. So this week I'm going to do Big Bend. Next week I'm going to do uh, Guadalupe Mountains. I would good. say the Big Bend one I'm about to read is a – ice cold case file because we are going to talk about juan de leon born june 24th 1906 died on july 19th 1932 so we are almost 90 years removed from uh his death his death so it's super cold it's super cold icy yeah i i mean at this point they're not going to find out who did it well don't no we don't know well, that's true. Unless someone can find like an old journal or something, yeah. you know, with something like that. But it's in Big Bend National Park, and there's actually like a, a cross in the park that um, has his name and some information um, out there. Um, it is one of the many mysteries of Big Bend's past. What happened on that day is unclear, but what is known is that Juan de Leon was shot and killed while riding his horse. Uh, His body was not found for several days and was so decomposed from the hot July sun that he was buried where he fell. Uh, His murder did not receive any mention in local newspapers. Uh, In August of 1932, which is one month later, the case was presented to the grand jury to charge an area resident with the murder, but nothing was ever done with the case. Um, 
There are a number of accounts of how exactly it happened. According to his family, the gunshot came from a low-lying hill, and he was left for dead next to the road. The story goes that the mule was startled from the gunshot and ran back to Chata's store. The saddle was covered in blood. So it sounds like uh, he was riding a mule. It got spooked by the gunshot, um, and uh, someone found the mule, But and the, the saddle was... They found the saddle covered in blood on the mule when it went back to the store. It's unclear, though, why he was murdered or who committed the crime. And as with many border stories, details vary depending on who's telling the story. Historical records do reveal incidents in the Big Bend region during this area where Mexicans were shot and killed by Anglos for no apparent reason. There is evidence that De Leon could have been involved with ranchers or members of their families running contrabands across the border to make money during the Depression. Did they fight over money? Finally, other theory, was De Leon the wrong place at the wrong time? The victim of target practice? There is no economic or political clout considered him, and he, by all accounts, was well-liked by both Anglos and Mexicans in the area. So he just died? The winds chased down. The winds of time have now blown across De Leon's grave for almost a century. He was murdered in cold blood. Boom, boom, boom. Murdered in cold blood. Crazy cold. And this was, I found this article on the National Parks uh, Systems website, nps.gov, if you guys want to. They have a bunch of cold case files on there if you guys are interested in checking any of them out. I wanted to do this one. It. I know it's old and... I thought it was kind of an interesting story, and like this is was recently reported on again mm-hmm. by the website, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, I think obviously at this point it would be very hard to like uh, you have to find, like you said, find you like find a, a journal. journal. There'd have to be a journal because some guy like being even like, the person oh, that did it would not be alive anymore. No, yeah, they'd be. Or we'd have to have like a grandchild say, "My grandfather killed." You know, it's been like a family told secret. Me that he saw this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it it would take basically a confession oh, or yeah. a, a confession from a family member or like a, to find a journal or something yeah. to to figure out what happened. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, Zach. Are you guys ready for Creature Watch? Creature Watch. Creature Watch. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, guys. So... I want you guys to come with me on a nice little terrifying legend. Do we need to close our eyes? Yeah. You don't, you don't have to close your eyes. I'm closing my eyes. Okay. So, we are going to talk about the legend of the Lake Worth monster. The Lake Worth monster. Yep. Is this one that I should know about, but like Le- the Lake Mothman? Worth is, Lake Worth is right there between Dallas and Fort Worth. I didn't know that. Yeah. But. There's books and stuff about it. So About the Lake Worth monster? Yeah. Maybe I should know. So, the Lake Worth monster, otherwise known as the Goat Man of the Lake or the Island Monster. So, they believe that it's a seven-foot-tall plus creature that is completely white fur, just living out there in the middle of this lake. White um, fur. White fur. So, it would be very obvious to any onlookers. Yep. Okay. Well, the island that it lives on is apparently pretty good size. Oh, so there's an island on the lake that he lives on. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yes. So uh, he lives on the lake between Dallas and Fort Worth. And on the middle of the lake, there is an island called Greer Island, 
where many of the sightings have occurred. It has been known as the Fort Worth's answer to Bigfoot. I don't know why they needed an answer, but hmm. it was the Fort Worth answer to Bigfoot. So someone, so someone asked the question of Bigfoot in Fort Worth, and they were like, Lake Worth Monster. We've got our own. <laughs> yeah, we don't do need own. it. Yep. Uh, however, we have a photograph this week. Really? Yep. So, Is it um, really? Is it blurry and pixelated? It's not blurry. It's just old. You know? I mean, you can look it up. Look up Lake Worth Monster photo. Uh, it was taken in 1969. So we are definitely before our 1995 I was, cutoff. I was going to ask if you weren't going to cover it. Yeah, we're before our 1995 cutoff. So don't worry. Lake Worth. What's it called again? Lake Worth? Monster. Monster. Oh, it's actually a Google search top hit. Yeah. I live in Texas. not too far from Lake Worth. That one, that's pretty blurry. It looks like a fire. Yeah. Well... I didn't promise you the world. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right. Interesting. So, uh, according to Sally Ann Clark's book, The Lake Worth Monster of Greer Island, uh, a month, uh, mo- the monster had jumped on the hood of someone's car. The men were on the island. And now, okay, I don't know why they drove their car to the island, but the island apparently is big enough to have a car on to drive around. Did they have to boat the car out there? Or is there like a bridge I that drives so. through? I don't it's think... like one of those duck boats at the beach. Maybe that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure the logistics. All I know is that somehow these dudes were out there on this island in their car. Okay. So the monster jumped on the hood of the, of the car. And the men were out there looking for this monster anyways. And they're the only ones who have told us the story. But we know that... Uh, the monster held on and didn't let go until the driver had crashed into a tree on the island. And the mm. monster hopped off and ran away. This looks like a man in a ghillie suit. Okay, we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the witness, Jim Stevens, who was in the car, said uh, he is six foot four, but the creature is easily taller than him. What year was the car driving incident again? I don't know. Okay, continue. Yeah, it's not 1969 was the photo. Um, but the book that was written by Sally Ann Clark, uh, she has a full detail of the um, of the the car incident in their mm. book. Uh, so yeah, so Jim Stevens said that the creature is obviously taller than him. Uh, some claim it's a half goat, half man creature with white fur and scales. Uh, Alan Plast- fur and scales. Yeah, that's like a running theme. Like a lot of these creatures have fur and scales. You gotta. I mean, if you're gonna make a monster, look. And I'm not saying this is made up. I could go out there and see it, but I'm just saying, if you're fabricating a monster just so you can claim that you have a Bigfoot in your area, pick one. Yeah. Fur or scales, and the picture obviously makes it look like fur. You just throw scales in there, and then you throw in doubt and. It's just like, it yeah. obviously... I'll be honest, I mean, it is just up in Fort Worth area. We could do a on-scene investigation. Report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's part of our creature watch. Yeah, go to mm-hmm. this lake and we fish all day. We camp out at night. Yeah. See if we can't find a monster. Mm-hmm. Have a little spooky season creature watch. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I like that idea. So, several... Uh, or So, Alan Plaster, the man who took the original photo in 1969... Uh, now says he doesn't believe his own blurry photo. He believes that he unfortunately fell victim to some prank. So mm-hmm. even the guy who took the photo doesn't believe it anymore. 
so sad day. Uh, several witnesses. Which is kind of interesting, which makes you think that you have to think that he actually took that picture and actually believed that it was real for him to come back later and say that he doesn't think it's real and he fell for some prank. After yeah. looking at it a little bit more, I don't think it was really a monster. Right. You guys were right. I, I mean, was wrong. <laughs> I'll just hint to you guys. It was actually my uncle Kevin mm. in the suit. but mm. um, Several witnesses and sightings have happened from since then. Uh, some say he actually has horns like a demon. Others say they have seen him jump over a cliff. And the most notable I mean, that's thing, not that hard. I'm only like six foot. You could just, <laughs> just grab that, your like, shoulder jump. The yeah. shoulder jump. Uh, and then the last thing is they say that they have seen him toss a tractor tire over 500 feet. How did a tractor tire get on the island? <laughs> oh my gosh! It just, maybe it washed up on shore. I don't know. I'm just like more skeptical of this creature watch than any other one. Oh I've man! To. And this is the closest one. <laughs> Not really. I guess we have the. It has uh, the best picture. That's for sure. It does have the best picture, which is funny. Yeah. You know, um, the only thing they know for sure is that somewhere on Greer Island, there is something strange and unexplained, and just might be the Lake Worth monster. I think that's something that we could definitely check out, though. Oh, yeah. Or you like the Lalachusa, the owl, the owl woman. The donkey lady. We well, I don't want to call yeah, upon the Lalachusa. That, yeah, that like. was the owl woman, right? Yeah, the owl yeah. lady. But yeah. we could do... That one legitimately scares me. Okay. You feel like she's waiting for you? <laughs> yes. I feel like we could do the donkey lady. <laughs> she'll look outside. Like, oh, she's waiting. She's Just double checking. out there. Just double checking. <laughs> <laughs> but we could do, like, the donkey lady thing, which when did I say that they started... You could start calling. Well, that number was from 2018. I did some more investigating on that. Uh, so that's something we're not going to so do. So I don't know if it's something it. that's happening every year. Well, they should. What a, what a downer. But we could look what into it more. What a downer. We could look into it more. Um. Yeah. So before we go into our main segment, did y'all see where you can kayak down the river walk now? I did. They opened it up. Yeah. But hmm. only for, like, the next few weeks or so. Really? Yeah. They said with COVID that in order to get more people down onto the river walk and stuff, they because they're not running the boats, mm-hmm. they started allowing people to kayak through the shopping district, the business district. Sweet. We should do that and film it. I think it make a good video. You're, you don't have a kayak. No, but I can get a kayak. That's true. Yeah, I, I know people with kayaks. Can you get a kayak? Probably. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Let's drop the raft in. I don't know if that's they did. <laughs> they, But they were like charging. You can rent a kayak and go on like a tour and everything, and it's like 50 bucks. Okay. Um, but that's what they've been doing. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, though. Yeah, because right, they, they haven't done it in like 20 or 30 no, years. They stopped it 30 years ago. Yeah. And I guess that was the introduction of the, like, the boats. tour boats. Yeah. Yeah. And then they... Just recently started doing it because of COVID. Yep, there's no tour boats running all and the time. And they're going to open up the tour boats again. It's only happening on weekend mornings, I think. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, we need to, this is something we need also, to. Also, speaking of things that we said we were going to do, that I think we need to go into, we were talking about going to see the Chupacabra exhibit at the zoo. We yeah, gave it a legitimate effort and ended yeah. up putt-putting. We did. 
We all met at the zoo. We did meet at the zoo. I did not meet just, at the zoo. Just to find out that it was a drive-through <laughs> zoo. It was drive-through only that day. And the Chippecabra exhibit's it, on an inside indoor. exhibit. So you couldn't even see it. Right. So you guys want to try this weekend? I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't this weekend. Mm. You could film it. I don't want to go by myself. I want to go with my friends. You scared? I'm scared. I ain't paying five dollars to go in the man's tent by myself. <laughs> no, by myself. <laughs> no, daddy, no. <laughs> Man, we only have like ten minutes left, so let's hit our main topic. What's the main? Do we have time for the main topic? Or yeah, we can talk about it for ten minutes. It's just like it's. It, we can make it pretty short. Cool. Because we decided, like, with the recent like GRTU Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited. I don't want to say incident because incident's not the right word. No. There wasn't anything bad that happened. but and It's not GRTU's fault. It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's not their fault. And it's not an incident. That was the wrong word to use. So what happened is essentially there is a, a lease program. So that explain what GRTU is. Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited. So it is our Trout Unlimited mm-hmm. section for Texas because we have the... Guadalupe River, which is the most southern trout fishery in the United States. Yep, and GRN, Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited, is the largest trout unlimited chapter in the United States, um, and it is the only chapter in Texas. Right, and so we have a lease program that runs every fall to early spring, um, and they only have a certain number of leases. And normally every year, it always sells out, but usually it sells out a couple weeks. I think last year it might have been like, six or seven days which set the record yeah but then this year they had just as many access spots available but it sold out in like eight hours yeah like it went on sale seven in the morning and then by three, three o'clock, or four yeah it, they were sold out it was done which is like never happened before like it was unprecedented i don't think anybody even thought it was and gonna happen like that. not to mention that there's like how many uh, slots was it 800? Yeah, like over 800. It's either 800 or 850 spots. I think it's 850. Yeah, it is. Sold out in a couple hours, right. which is just crazy. So it got us talking about like how crowded that river is. Right. Like if we want to be advocates for the sport and because we love it, we want to see more people come to love it as well. Mm. But with that comes knowing that. You might have to. You're going to get crowded out of your favorite spots. Yeah. Right. I remember like five years ago when I, the first season I fished the Guadalupe, I could basically go, and this was five years ago, I did the lease because someone recommended it to me. It didn't sell out that year. And I could go on days I had off, I could go to the river and I could basically fish whatever spot I wanted. I might run into one, maybe two people right. and catch fish, have a good time. Now it's I can't go to the river without seeing thirty people on the river. Yeah, um, especially if you go on a weekend. If you can go on a weekday, it's much better. And it just it makes it hard to be respectful of other anglers. It makes it hard for other anglers to be respectful of you because there's so many people and everyone wants to fish. So that I would give you maybe like 40 yards of distance becomes I can now only give you 20 yards of distance and you start if creeping even. up. Yeah. If even, you start creeping up on other people. It just makes it hard and honestly frustrating too. It is frustrating. It's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the same thing happens on public lands yeah. too. Like, it's a well-known fact, like, 
It's called the Orange Army. So you go out for opening day deer season, you run into four or five other people hunting the same area that you are. You go out dove season and you get peppered by falling shot onto you. It's a double-edged sword, and the way to think about it is that definitely means that there's more people coming into the sport, which is good, which means more money into Pittman Robinson mm-hmm. and all these. And uh, what was what's the more excise tax being paid? Right, and uh, there's the Pittman and Robinson is the more hunting, but then there's the Dangle Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think it's what it's called for the fishing side of things. Mm-hmm. So more money's going into the system to protect these areas, but the areas aren't getting necessarily any bigger right mm-hmm. now. Right. I will say Texas State Parks, they are planning on opening a couple more state parks in the next couple of years. But like they have they, the land. They have the land, and they are building the facilities. But will they be fishing state parks? Because they sure as heck ain't going to be hunting state parks. Well, I mean, even uh, like South Llano River State Park. I went to that state park one week, and it was closed for hunting. You can draw tags to hunt in state parks, and they close for a week. Mm-hmm. A certain amount of people get tags, so you have to enter a draw. Right, um, but, I mean, that, that in and of itself is also a double-edged sword. Like, I'm happy it's there. Do I get drawn all the time? No. And then you can't go, and that kind of irritates you. But it, it is always a double-edged sword. I'm happy that there's more people coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm happy there are people utilizing public I would and public rather water, have... Waterways. I mean, I 10, town, 10 times out of 10, though, I'd rather have a new state park than have a new urban center being built. Oh, God, yes. So I'm not going to, like, take away from a state park because... I'm not going to take away from Government Canyon no, because not. it's not a hunting and fishing spot. It's got dinosaur tracks, which is cool. makes it worth going out to... Um, I would rather have those areas um, than not have them. No, and I agree. I'm just saying the the crux of my position is it's both a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. The GRTU lease program, there's 100 or 850 spots. Each one of the lease access tickets cost... How much? A hundred and sixty something dollars after you do your GRT. Oh, uh, like how much it costs? Yeah, one like the membership. It's like one eighty. So that's a hundred and eighty dollars going into a direct conservation group's efforts to supply trout that they're going to stock the areas with, uh, to do river access cleanups, to potentially buy more lease spots the For next sure. year. It's definitely worth the money, hands down. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that ever. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's just it is frustrating, and we all get that. Yeah. No one's saying like, "I don't want more hunters and fishers." No one on this podcast is saying, no. "I don't want more hunters and fishers outside because they're tearing up my spot." Right. We're not saying that mm-hmm. at all. No, I think it was just you know when. I mean, we were fortunate we got our, our leases. Yeah, uh, me and Zach both got it. But it's I just did like. Not. Just but, be, thank, yeah. thank you, Will. I was going to wait till after work. Me too. But I then, was like, I was going to wait till after work and buy my lease. And if I would have waited, I would have not gotten one. Yeah. Will texted me. He said, it just took me three hours to get my lease passed. And I, I said, started at seven. I didn't get mine till 1130. Mm-hmm. But like that's working and then just you know, like checking periodically. I feel a little bad too because I've always told people like October 1st, 
like working at the shop, I'm like, and this has always been good information except for this year, you know, mark your calendar for October 1st, get it done within the first couple of days. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you can't blame yourself because that's, it's never happened. Like it's yeah. always last year. I think I bought I think mine it sold on like, out in like three days last year. Was it three? It was it was quick. It, was I don't it? think it was eight, but it okay. was quick. Because I, I didn't buy mine day one. The I year mine before that, it took three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was the last year that I actually bought one. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm not definitely not complaining about it. I just think it posed an interesting question as far as, like, the more we everybody advocates for it and wants to get more people involved. Yeah. And, like, I want more people to learn how to fly fish. It's just, like... It comes to the territory. And right. the thing about the Guad is that the, this, the river is bigger than this, the trout section, but the trout section can't grow. The, crowd, mm-hmm. the trout section is staying, let's say, 10 miles just to make it a round number. It might be 8. It might be 7. I don't know. Let's say 10 miles of river from Canyon Lake Dam until the water is too warm to support a trout habitat. Right, the trout that is around. not growing to 12 miles. It is going to stay at that 10-mile mark. Right. The only thing that's going to increase is the amount of people fishing. And so it's not even a deal where you could be like GRTU, could move their funds around and create better habitat 15 miles downstream to support trout fishing. And I'd say that's not an option. That's not an option. Let me ask you this because I've never honestly thought about it until just now, but could they put anything in these parts above Canyon Lake? Too warm. Yeah, it's the water's too, too warm. warm. Mm-hmm. Too warm. So okay, it's yeah. just because all I'm, that water coming off of the lake is yeah. underwater. I mean, they, they could, but like the state stocks fingerlings, or not fingerlings, but like, you know, six inches. Six to 12. Yeah. Uh, north, like in Kerrville, I think they do. Yeah, they also stock them on the Lano um, and some, some areas. You guys, they, they release a stocking schedule online. Those places where they stalk those eight-inch trout, if you can go pretty quickly after they stalk, they are super fun to fish. Generally not. If you go to, like, a park, like if they stalk trout in Kerrville City Park or Blanco State Park, which they do, those places are super crowded. Mm-hmm. But if you go to, like, the Lano, I'm not going to mention it on the podcast, the spot, but you guys can look on the website if you're curious. There's a spot on the Lano where they stalk trout where I can go. It's not crowded. I can catch a bunch of fish. You know, if you want to keep fish, you can keep five um, and have a great time. I've caught fish on, like, dry flies out there, which doesn't happen a lot on the quad. No. Um, you get, you, there's other places to go trout fishing. It's uh, it's just the, the quad is super popular because we, we get holdover fish, which that's a term that we call fish that survived the summer and were stocked in previous years. In the past couple years, we've had a lot of holdover fish. Um, we've had fish that have been born wild in the river. and Which people said that it couldn't happen. Yeah, which people have said it couldn't happen. But last year, um, I took two people out fishing that both caught wild Guadalupe rainbow trout. That's cool. Um, but you get one, you know, you get one really hot summer, all the fish are going to die. Or one drought summer, all the fish are going to die. Um, I don't know where I was going with that point. Um, but you know, there's other places to go trout fishing too. Um, the Guad is super fun. I recommend going. Um, Paul Even did ask around here. Like the Guad is just, it's a fun place. To, it's totally yeah. unique compared to a lot of other, a yeah. lot of other places. And there's fish. big fish potential. Yeah. Big time. Oh yeah. Big time. It can get very difficult later in the year, but it also gets less crowded later in the year. 
Um, and so that the it gets so much pressure. You got to be on your game. Paul also asked as a part two of the question he submitted earlier. Uh, was how do we recommend fishing for trout? I'd say nymphing is going to be the most effective way to catch trout on the Guadalupe. Yeah, but we can go into that more. Uh, and I don't, I don't want this to be a podcast about where we like deep dive into techniques. I'm just going to give an overview. Nymphing is the most effective. You can streamer fish. There's times you can dry fly fish. But like as a whole, if you want to do really well and catch a lot of fish, nymphing is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah. For sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it got us thinking and talk. We, we've had a lot of conversations about this topic since since it came up. It's just an interesting um, predicament. And there's a lot of guides out on the on the quad, too, now. Um, a yeah, lot of a lot of boats. And some are very respectful if you're out waiting, and some are not. And that can be frustrating as well. Yeah. And let's be honest. Even if you didn't get a pass, it doesn't mean you're not going to be able to fish. No, the there's, still, no, there's, there's still so plenty options. of public places to fish. Right. Um, and you can hike as far as you want and get away from people. So if you did not get the lease, you are not like not you're not missing fish. out. You know, you can still get out and fish. And I think even last year I bought the lease. I only used the lease one time because I mostly went to public places because I oh, did a really? lot of floats. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did a lot of floats. So, so we used it quite a bit last year. Yeah. But See, I just go normally with friends who got on the lease and then pay them the guest deposit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they do guest passes too. So if you didn't get one, get a friend that got one. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys, I think we're at time. You guys, does someone have any closing words? No, closing cool words dinkle, of wisdom? Dinkle do. That's, oh, kind of thing something they do. like yeah. it. Thanks, Cliff. Words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Go see a man about a horse.